So glad that you're here today. I just want to make sure everybody knows that tomorrow I like like these national joke or day things, you know. So I have to keep you guys updated. Tomorrow's National Joke Day. So it'll be a fun day. Just share a joke with someone, you know, that way it'll be fun. And then I also found out that there are national weeks. And if the week of August 16th is Elvis week. So that'll be a good week for you guys, okay? And so I decided to just combine the two, all right? So I've been thinking about opening up like um, an Elvis chain of steak restaurants. And it's going to be for people who love meat tender. But I'll bomb. I should have had Tyler stay for the drum roll, right? You guys, that's as best as I could find. I don't know. So you feel free to share that tomorrow. Um, it's Elvis week and tomorrow's joke day. So have fun with that. Um, we're so glad you're here today. If you're visiting with us, um, it's an honor for us for you to be our guests. We would love to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that is to go to mybethel.cc slash connect. And there's a form there where um, you can fill out your information. and Or if you're in the house, there's a QR code in the seat back in front of you. And we just want to reach out to you and see how we can better serve you. Um, today we're starting a new series called Wage War. And usually when we think of this word war, we're thinking about, ooh, somebody I'm against. If, somebody's gonna, if I don't agree with them or the things they're doing or saying, I'm at war with them. But actually we're going to be talking about kind of like the war within. It's usually easier to blame someone else. I like to do that. Um, if I gain weight because I'm eating too much ice cream, it's Ray's fault because he wanted Dairy Queen. Or if I'm tired in the morning, it's his fault because he wanted to watch TV last night. Like, do you guys ever do that? You just, it's easier to just blame everything on someone else. But we're going to be looking at um, First Peter and just talking about what does that look like to really look at what's going on within us. So wage war. Let's get started. Good morning, Bethel. How you guys doing? My name is Ray. I'm one of the pastors here. You haven't seen me in a month, so some of you don't even know who I am. But yes, I still work here. <laughs> it's, I know, I know. I got some concerns back there. It's a, good, it's a good thing we have a complaint box right over there. No, I'm just kidding. I've got a friend here. His name is Norman. He uh, has whole families here, the Ortiz family. We actually have had the privilege of partnering with them. Uh, for I don't even know how long, 15 years probably or better, um, as missionaries there in Panama. Uh, I first met Norman when he was a young teenager. We were both like going through puberty, but he had this wicked mustache. I mean, this dude was like 12 with a mustache, and I'm like, oh, what is going on here? Uh, but uh, he still has facial hair, which is funny. So um, would you guys all stand? Ortiz, familia Ortiz, si se pueden poner de pie, por favor. Here's the, the family right here. So Norman, Isa, their two kids. Um, thank you. Norman, uh, pasa adelante. Norman's going to come up and he's going to share um, a couple things that God's doing there in Panama. And then he's also going to, um, he brought a video for us to see some pictures and, and uh, some things that are happening there in Panama. 
but Norman has been one of our longtime partners here, and it's been a blessing to partner with him. Also, Christy and I, uh, if you know our journey, we were missionaries in Central America. Uh, we were church planners in Costa Rica, and there was a season where we had to move to Panama. Um, they were living in Panama. We lived real close to them. We started a church together, and real blessing. So a lot of the pictures you see, we're going to be like, oh, that's people we know. So uh, that was a blessing. Norman, ¿cómo está todo? Yo en inglés, español, usted en inglés. No, okay. He's going he's gonna to translate into English. I'll speak in Spanish. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody, good morning. We're happy to be here with you this morning. I want to thank the Roten family. The other Roten family. And Jim and Linda. For the love that they show for your love and how you treat us so well and letting us be with you this weekend. Ray already talked about my mustache. I'll talk about more important things. I'm very thankful to God for the missionary work because I'm a result of missions. Muchos años atrás. Like a long time ago, estaba en la parada de bus. I was in a bus stop. Y yo miraba hacia atrás. And I looked behind me. Y veía gente que entraba y salía de un edificio. And I saw people going in and out of a building behind the bus stop. Bueno, esa era la iglesia que había iniciado, empezado el pastor Randy. Well, that was the church that Pastor Randy had started. Un día, mi amigo. One day, one of my friends. Me invitó a la reunión de jóvenes. Invited me to the youth meeting. Me gustó mucho. I liked it a lot. Y el and I came back that Sunday. El, la persona que predicó ese día, the person that preached that day, uh, habló sobre el evangelio, um, logically he spoke about the gospel, the good news. Y dijo que quien a and then he just asked, who would like to accept Jesus? Yo mi mano, so I raised my hand, pasé al frente, came to the front, y la que me recibió, and the person that received me el Pastor Randy. was Pastor Randy. Luego me, so the uh, uh, counselor took me to the side y fue ahí donde a como and I, I accepted Christ as my personal Savior right there that day. Y a ese momento, Thank God for that moment es que estoy acá. that I'm actually here uh, today. Y yo les dar las a so I want to thank you guys hace años atrás, uh, because a long time ago, many years ago, al Randy, you supported uh, Pastor Randy para que en Costa Rica, so that they would work in Costa Rica y ganar como yo. and then lead people to Christ like me. Y por eso, and because yo, of that, yo ahora amo la obra I also, today, I love, the, I love missionary work because I'm a result of that missionary work. I'm thankful to Pastor Randy and, and Ms. Sherry for the way that they influenced my life and the life of my wife as well. And of course, Ray and Christy uh, have been influenced as well. And then their love for the, the work and also their love for other people. I want to thank you guys personally for praying for us for also supporting us financially every month. It was almost a year that our church couldn't gather as a congregation. 
Tuvimos que hacer todo virtual durante ese tiempo. We had to do everything on a virtual, uh, a virtual way during that time. Pero desde marzo regresamos a la iglesia. But since this March, we returned kind of as a church body together. El Señor nos ha bendecido mucho. God's blessed us a lot. Buenas asistencias. We've had pretty good attendance. Nuevas personas. New people coming. Nuevas familias. New families coming. Gente recibiendo a Cristo. People accepting Christ as their Savior. Bautismos. Uh, baptisms. Y poco a poco estamos volviendo a la normalidad. And little by little we're kind of going back to whatever normal is. Cuando ustedes se acuerden de nosotros. When you think about us. Por favor oren. Please pray. Porque nuestra meta. Because our goal. Es empezar otra iglesia. Is to start another church. Y en el mes de septiembre. In the month of September coming up. Vamos a ir a una comunidad. We're going to go to a new community. Para realizar una, un, un programa para niños, jóvenes. To have a program for kids and for youth. Y luego eh, a través de eso poder conectarnos con, con las familias de ellos. So through those connections with young people connect with their families. Y poder empezar un estudio bíblico. And then start a Bible study. Y de ahí en adelante hasta empezar otra iglesia. And then as we go along start a church. Así que cuando se acuerden de nosotros. So when you think about us. Por favor oren por eso. Please, please pray for, for that in specific. Y quiero decirles que sigan apoyando la obra misionera. Also uh, keep supporting missions and the missionary work. Porque nuestras bendiciones son sus bendiciones. Because the blessings that we receive are the blessings, they're your blessings as well. Nuestras victorias son sus victorias. Our victories are your victories. Porque ustedes tienen parte en las vidas de las personas en Panamá. Because you guys have a part of the lives that are changed there in Panama. Y ahora cuando vean esas fotos. And now that you look at these pictures. Eh, na, solamente recuerden que ustedes tienen parte en la vida de todas esas personas. Just remember that you have a part of all the, the lives that you see on the, on the video. De verdad, muchísimas gracias de todo corazón. Truthfully, thank you so much with bendiga. all my heart. Uh, God bless you. Un aplauso. Aplausos. Gracias, amigo. We're going to watch a, a video, and as you, as you watch it, it's not just disconnected people, but these are, are people that lives have been, have been affected. And uh, right now, they have services, and it's going on with, uh, with Norman and Issa. They're here, and their church is meeting right now. So we'll watch this video and just uh, uh, remember your investment. Here at Bethel, when you give to Bethel, a portion of your giving goes to our missionary partners around the world. So uh, thank God for that. Very good. So I don't know if you... Uh, I don't know if you caught that, but they had 300, 400 kids before COVID, and they're still meeting on Zoom. So those, those things you saw, some of the kids had their little, uh, what are they called, emojis on their faces and stuff like that. But uh, they're still meeting every week on Zoom. Uh, their Zoom groups have grown. And so Panama, uh, much like the rest of the world, is very technological. And a lot of the students, every student in the, in the country has devices. And so it was a natural thing for them to go online. And so they've continued with their uh, their children's ministry, Zoom, and imagine they've been doing that for a year, a year and a half, and they're still going strong with their children's ministry. So just pray for them. Uh, they have some unique challenges and some different things they're working through, but God is really uh, blessing them and taking care of their ministry. Um, wage war. I want to pray and kind of reset our moment. Uh, Norman and, and Issa are going to be here after services. They have a little, little prayer card. If you want to grab one from them, they'll be in the lobby, and you can interact with them, try out your Spanish. Um, only clean words, right? No, 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 no dirty words. I know those are the ones you learned, but not those words, okay? Just the clean ones. Uh, but if you'll interact with them, that'll be a blessing. And uh, just tell them you're praying for them and get one of their cards, all right? Let's, let's pray, and we'll jump into this week. God, we are grateful for our missionary partners. Uh, God, that you allow us to 
partner with what you're doing around the world and, and, and languages we don't speak and not only with the, the Panamanians but the Kuna Indians and, and the God, the ministry that's going on there and the cross-cultural ministry. I, I pray, God, that you'd bless them, give them creative opportunities. Uh, God, that they would be creative in the way they're, they're reaching out and this new endeavor to start a new ministry, a new church. I pray that you would bless that. Uh, God, uh, let us do our part. Let us uh, continue to pray and support, and, and God, as you laid on our hearts, I pray that it would be uh, a blessing to them and that it would flourish. Uh, we only know that uh, when we get to heaven, stand face-to-face with you, we'll see all the results of the people, and, and we'll be able to see them face-to-face. But we thank you so much for the Ortiz family. Bless them. Uh, bless Josue as he studies this year in Texas, and them as they go back home uh, this next, uh, at the end of the month. God, we thank you so much for them and bringing to them this weekend, them to us this weekend. Now, as we open your word in First Peter, God, I pray that as we walk through uh, this introduction to the series, that, that your word would be real, God, that it would just cut right and penetrate right into our hearts uh, where it matters most, and that, God, that we'd be open to your spirit working in our hearts. We love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. We're going to jump into First uh, Peter. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We also have a live event on your smartphone. You can go and you can follow along with a live event. Uh, the verses will also be on screen. But the whole purpose of this series is to highlight the war, and it's an internal war that happens inside of every single person. It's a raging war, and if you've ignored it, it's still there, and it's the war of good and evil. It's the, the war to make decisions. Every decision you make, you kind of filter through whatever filter you have. Uh, you can call it your conscience or your moral compass, or you can call it the Holy Spirit. You can call it whatever you want to call it, but we all make decisions based on this internal struggle. And if you're like me, there's some days that I wake up and I put my foot on the ground and I'm like, oh no, today's a bad day. And I can feel it. I just know like I was a jerk. I'm going to be a jerk. And as I come to the office, I'm like, hey, Pastor Ruben, I'm going to be a jerk today, just FYI. And, and, and we, we end up justifying ourselves because like, oh, that's humanity. That's just the way we are. And Christy's like, she knows this. You know, she, she understands how you know, she likes to shift the blame to me, but she also knows sometimes I can be a major jerk. And it's because of this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's because of this battle inside to do right or wrong. And, and, in, and in the church world and in, in history, Scripture calls this sin. Now, sin, a lot of people want to call sin what is not sin and what is not sin, sin. That's not, I'm talking about the thing that actually kind of uh, misses the mark of God. Okay? So any decision we make, any thought we have, Scripture calls it sin. The reason Jesus came to this earth is to battle sin, death, hell, the grave, and he actually won. So this message is not to win. This message is out of winning, okay? This is the message out of victory. It's not so that we'd have victory. The victory's already been promised in Jesus, and that's what this, this message is about to remind us about it. But I think in the, the Western church and in our community, we sometimes forget the daily work and struggle it is to, to lean in to scripture. I was talking to a friend this week, and he has this saying that tomorrow I'm going to be more like Jesus, and the day after tomorrow I'm going to be more like Jesus, and I'm more like Jesus today than I was yesterday because that's God's promise. That's his plan. And then we discussed and kind of laughed about it. It's like going down a river. You're going to go down the river. Now, you can float down the river on your back and enjoy the journey, or you can go face up the river and get a mouthful of water, but you're still going to go down the river, okay? God has promised us a Christ-likeness if we know him. Now, there's people here today that maybe don't know Jesus. You're investigating him. You're trying to figure this thing out. And today, I want to invite you to know him because that is his plan. But this war is a war found in 1 Peter 2, verse 11. It's kind of where I got the title for the series, which is simply this. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. The whole thought of this verse is the war is waging, and it's against you. 
Whether you think you're participating or not, the war is, is waging and you are fighting the war. And so it's up to you whether you're going to fight the good fight or you're just going to go with the flow. And so either way, God wins. Okay, either way, he has the victory. Either way on the cross, Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. But this series, starting today with an introduction, is to help us be aware of it, but also engage in the battle daily, which is deep work in our souls, okay? Um, by the way, the bumper video, that music, my daughter, Lily, she wrote that music, so if you want to congratulate her, she did a great job. Uh, she's working with the babies right now, but just tell her, hey, I heard your music. So she's trying to use her talents for the church, which I love that. So if you have a talent, use it, okay? Use it or lose it. That's what my mom always said. Um, Peter, he wrote this book, and he actually had experienced all of the struggles and the defeats of the war inside. If you read his story, he's prominent in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And if you read his stories, he's always putting his foot in his mouth. He's always saying the quiet part out loud. And he actually, one time, was telling Jesus what to do. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And so Peter has experienced all of the range of emotions. And if you can imagine being called Satan by the Messiah, that's a pretty big deal. But Jesus actually forgave him. Now, if you imagine this, he walked with Jesus and then walked away from him. He returned to his old lifestyle. He returned to be a fisherman, and he felt regret and shame and defeat, and he understands what it feels like for us. By the time he writes First Peter, though, we see a man who had battled with this internal struggle in his heart, and he was shaped by the Holy Spirit to do war and actually have victory in the darkness, over the darkness that lurked inside him. Actually, Jesus restored him as a le into a leadership position. Jesus actually bestowed upon him the authority of the early church, and he renewed the focus of his calling, which was to feed the flock, the church. And this letter, 1 Peter, along with a couple others, are actually the result of him feeding the flock. So 1 Peter, just some background. 1 Peter was written from Rome, as what most uh, theologians think, because he was now ministering to Gentiles, which are the non-Jews. And if you know his story, he actually was very attracted to minister to Jewish people. Well, God took him and it said, hey, what I call clean, you don't call unclean. And he began to minister to the um, Gentile culture, the non-Jewish culture, culture as a Jewish man. He had cross-cultural communication or cross-cultural ministry. He was writing to the believers in churches that had settled all over Asia Minor. And if you look at a map, it's actually modern-day Turkey, what we call Turkey. He was writing churches kind of spread across modern-day Turkey. He was encouraging them to do the work in their lives based on the victory that Jesus had already given them. So this letter is actually built around hope. It's built around victory. It's not about defeat. It's not about um, uh, losing the battle. It's actually a letter full of hope to the believers that are scattered. And they actually believe this was true. As crazy as it is, all the things that Paul, Peter wrote them, he actually believed that it was true. The hope that each person could overcome the battle within through Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read through this first section, and then we're going to have some commentary like I like to do, and we're going to see how we can actually have a kind of a beginning why it's important to do battle. Because I was going to skip this one and go right into the battle, but I think if we don't know why we're in the battle, then we won't understand and we'll kind of have a misunderstanding. We need to ask why. So that's what this first part is about. First Peter chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. It says this right here. This is a letter from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So just out the gate, 
He says it's Peter, so it's the same guy that walked with Jesus. He's an apostle. He was chosen by Jesus. And then he says he's writing to God's chosen people. And so this is a section that we'll see written throughout Peter, and Paul talks about it in Romans. It's an uncomfortable, awkward thing to talk about in church because the idea is that God chose certain people and rejected other people. And if you read through Scripture from beginning to end, there's this eternal idea that God knows who's going to be saved and who's not who is a chosen person and who is not. And there's this struggle in church world that you've probably had the same experience as I have, is you're sitting there and you're like, am I in? Do I know that I'm in? Do I know that I know that I know? Do I know that I know that I know that I know? And every Sunday is like, okay, God, I know last week I thought I was in, but I really think I'm in today. And so there's this struggle of wondering, am I in or not? And I will tell you this, that whatever God has planned, whatever God has chosen is set in stone. There's nothing that can change it. You can't change it. I can't change it. The world can't change it. It's done. And what the idea here that, that Paul is trying, or Peter, sorry, I want to call him Paul. When Peter's trying to teach is that Peter is teaching that God chose, we're living as foreigners. And I think this idea is actually literal, like foreigners in another land, but also spiritual spiritually disconnected from the world. In America, it's so easy to be a Christian. It's so easy to live openly as a Christian, and we forget that we are foreigners. We forget that our kingdom is another kingdom, that we belong to the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. And so we get all emotionally tied to what's happening in America, and we're like, oh no, it's going to Hades, and it's going to crap. And we're like, no, 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 we're tied to a different kingdom. That's what Paul is reminding us. Hey, we're tied to a different kingdom. We're living as foreigners. Verse 2. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. I know exactly what happened right here. First, Peter says, God knew you, and he chose you. And you're thinking, well, if he really knows me, he probably is not going to choose me. Because he, if he really knows what's going on there. But actually, he knew you before you knew yourself. And it says that he chose you and your, his spirit has made you holy. Now, there's this word that you're like, okay, holy. And if you grew up in church or you have any kind of religious experience, it's like holy is this like floating around with a, with a whatever that thing's called. What's that? Halo. Thank you. I couldn't even think of that word. With that halo on your head and you're like floating around like, ah, you know. And we think, oh, holy, holy, holy. I had a conversation with somebody this last week, and they're like, ah, I don't want to be one of those guys that sings at the altar for eternity, holy, holy, holy. I just want to be that guy. And I'm like, if you're one, you're, that's it, man, that's you. But it's only a few guys, so you guys don't have to worry about that. You know, heaven is like people think, oh, they've got to sing for eternity. What if you can't sing where the, where the lick? I mean, Aaron's up here free from the, from the guitar, and he's flying. But maybe that's not your gift. There's something about holiness that has nothing to do with our actions. Holiness, this word holy, is actually set apart, chosen for a purpose. And so when we see the word holy in Scripture, we can get this false idea that that means I've got to be like God. Well, guess who wanted to be like God? Satan. So it's not to be God or to be like God. It's actually to be conformed into the image of Jesus, which is meaning to be separate for specific purpose in life. And so when you see the word holy, you're like, well, I must not be in because I'm not holy. And then your wife's like, amen, he's not holy. I mean, we, we know each other, and especially we know each other Monday through Saturday. We know exactly who we are, and we can read Scripture and be like, 
man, I hope I can say that about myself someday, but right now I'm not. But the truth is, no matter when you met Jesus, you were holy because he set you aside for a specific purpose. And it says there that God may give more and more grace and peace. The provinces that Peter was referencing there in Turkey, they understood this idea of being made holy. And, and what we mean when we say holy is kind of like separation, sanctification, this biblical word of like super spiritual holiness. But actually, what we end up saying is, okay, this is us separating ourselves from the world. It's pride and arrogance over self-improvement, canceling worldly friends and neighbors and graduating to some spiritual superiority. That's not what Peter's talking about. Because you're in the world, but you're not of the world, but that doesn't mean you're better than anyone else. You're walking just like anyone else. So what we intend to do is to humbly look at our own hearts and our souls and understand that the battle that lies within is in the choices we make every single day to do what is right or wrong based on what we see in Scripture, not how we feel. It's the Christ-likeness that we're pursuing. It's holiness has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God. There's this idea that as God chose those who would respond to the good news, it's really uncomfortable. We can have a whole conversation and debate, and there's actually a theological structure set up in the world to debate that. We're not debating that here. In the end, God knows, and he knew, and he set you aside and made you different. And the response to his foreknowledge, we actually respond in obedience. So that's why when you hear the good news, when you hear that Jesus died for you, and that does something and awakens something in your spirit, it draws you to him. He now calls us to live in grace and peace. Let's look in verse 3. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Here at Bethel, it's only about one thing, and we say this, we've been saying this for years, it's about one thing. It's about Jesus. It's not about anything else. It's about Jesus coming to this earth, living as a man, going to the cross of his own free will, being a sacrifice for you and for me, whether we knew it or deserved it or didn't. And then it says here that actually Jesus was raised from the dead. He died and God made him alive. That's the thing we preach. That's what we talk about. That's what Bethel's all about. We say it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. So it says here in verse 4, And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that keep, is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power. If you have your Bibles, you can circle that. God is protecting you. It has nothing to do with you. It's his work and what he's doing. And it says, Until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Because Jesus is like no other God or any other religious system, you and I can be truly thankful. Because Jesus lived, he died, he rose again. It's all about Jesus here at Bethel. We, have, we now have hope. We now have a great expectation. We no longer have to wander through life without purpose. We actually have a purpose. And what Peter's talking about is this inheritance, which is Jesus. It's nothing else. That's what we're waiting for. A lot of people think that Jesus is kind of like the starting point. No, Jesus is the starting point. He's the whole race, and he's the prize at the end. It's all there is. It's Jesus for eternity, and he cannot be taken away. He cannot be lost. Once you're in, you're in. You're eternally secure in him, and God is protecting you by his power. Now, I thank God for that because tomorrow I don't know how I'm going to wake up. I'm glad it's not about me. I'm glad it's all about him. It's not up to you. It's up to him. Verse 6 says there, So be truly glad. 
There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, through your, though your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. It's amazing because a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to be in the Christian life, and my life's going to be better, and it's going to be the abundant life, and I'm not going to have any troubles, and I'm not going to get sick, and I'm going to be super rich, and I'm going to have everything I want, and that's a different Jesus that you're looking for. That's not Jesus. Jesus actually said, pick up your cross, follow me, you need to die to yourself, and actually if people kill you, they already killed me, so what are you waiting for? Unfortunately, or fortunately, we live in a Western society that does not understand suffering. We really don't. We think we're suffering, and that's because we can't supersize it at McDonald's. It's like, oh, that's a little bit of suffering, you know. I can't get the venti. I can only get the grande. I mean, that's like suffering. That's what we think, and it's like, oh, the AC doesn't work. Ooh, I mean, it's just suffering, you know. I want to take you to Panama on a Sunday at church with 400 people. No AC. Oh, there's no personal space either. I mean, it's just like right up here, and you're like, <laughs> right? Did I brush my teeth? It's like, we think we're suffering. We have no idea what suffering is. And the churches in Turkey, when they were actually receiving this letter, they were going through some extreme persecution. They had been kicked out of, of, of Jerusalem. They had been kicked out of Israel, and they were scattered across Asia Minor. Suffering, they understood what suffering was. And he says, suffering actually proves that you're following me. Suffering proves that you and I are in Christ. And so today, here's, here's our version of suffering in, in America. We want to tie our suffering to our political affiliation. I'm going to suffer because I'm this party or I'm that party. Oh, I, I'm going to be persecuted because I'm this or that. Or, or now in our pandemic, you know, I, I got the vaccine, I didn't get the vaccine. Or I, got, I, got the, I wear a mask or I don't wear a mask. We think that's suffering and that's where we're going to tie our allegiance to. And Jesus said, hey, it's, that stuff's going by, that stuff's passing. And guess where true suffering is, is being identified with Jesus? And that begins to purify my heart. That begins to draw me into him. That begins to help me have the battle that really matters. Verse 8, you love him even though you were never, you never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice in a glorious and expressible joy. The reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Now this is Peter that walked with Jesus. This is Peter that denied Jesus. This is Peter who ran to the grave to see the empty tomb. So he had seen him. And he was writing to a whole group of people, us included, you don't see him, and yet the Spirit's drawn you in and you believe. There's something about that. There's some glorious thing about that, that inexpressible joy. Verse 10, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. Even the people that we read about in Genesis, the people we read about in Judges, the people we read about in Samuel and Ezekiel and Lamentations, these people were looking forward to a Savior that we get to experience today, 2,000 years later, and they were in awe of what was happening. It says right here, they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. They could not imagine God coming as a man and dying. They thought he was going to come as a, a king that was going to rule and reign, and when he came as a servant, they could not fathom it. Verse 12, they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. Now this is the good news. Or sorry, now this good news has been announced to you by those who preach in the power of the Holy Spirit and sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. They're in the stands watching this thing develop, 
and it is an awesome thing to see. What you and I have is the inability to see the spiritual war that's happening all around us and in our hearts. But the angels can see it, the, the, the spiritual realms can see it, and there's this battle for the souls of men and women. We come to Jesus for a better life, and then we feel defeated because the sin that just gets us. And we decide it's normal to struggle and feel defeated with sin, and we accept, oh, it's just the way of life, it's just who I am. And Joy says, uh, Peter says that there's a joy that's expressed, and it's rarely ours. And I kind of wonder why is this joy that Peter talks about seems so elusive to many of us. And I think it's because we haven't done the deep work in our hearts and souls to deal with sin, to deal with the darkness, our shadow, that so easily gets us. But because our inheritance and the promise of the salvation is for our souls, Peter encourages us to wage war with sin and depend on God for victory. Verse 13 says right here, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. I think almost all of us want to just delete that line and just go on to the next thing. But there's something about getting our minds ready and then exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that has come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy. This is that separate, this designed for a purpose in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I'm holy. We need to prepare our minds for action. We need to get ready to do something. We need to exercise self-control. Don't give in to every internal desire and any, every whim that we want to do, but put all our hope in Jesus. It says right here, put all your hope in grace and salvation. It's all of it. It's like all your eggs are in one basket. You're not just putting a little here and a little over here and a little over here. It's actually all in Jesus because he paid it all. Many of us think that, oh, well, if I just kind of add this to my to my life. You know, I'll take Jesus, put him in my pocket as kind of like a little keychain. I'll pull him out when I need him. No, no, no. It's all your hope in Jesus. Obey God. Don't go backwards. I think the war within is so complicated because our hearts trick us into thinking that those on the outside are our enemy. We end up pointing our fingers at people's flaws because we're uncomfortable at looking at our own. We point fingers in judgment instead of doing that hard work in our souls against sin. One of the reasons many Christians are so focused on the outside war against culture and external morality is because they can't confront the darkness lurking in their hearts. It's time to dig deep. It's time to do the internal work. It's time to dig in, and it's time to walk forward. And what we want to see over the next few weeks at Bethel is an honest conversation about our struggles, about our victories and our defeats, pressing into scripture and the soul work of holiness. I want to pray and then I want to invite you into a time of just simple meditation. The ne this next section, I'm going to read some scripture. It's not in the Bible app. It's not going to be on the screens. I just want you to put your phones down and close your Bibles and just listen and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you through these next verses, which are the rest of the chapter. And I'm going to read them to you, but I want you to meditate on the words and ask God about the work that needs to be done in your heart, in your soul, over the coming weeks. Let me pray for you, God. This morning, it's a, it really is a, a battle. Even myself this morning praying and you're revealing things to me that I need to work on and it's a, it really is a struggle. And, and little by little you're conforming us to your image whether we, we like it or not. 
And so today, God, I pray that we would do the work and that you would work in our, our souls and work in our hearts and that we would just do this battle understanding it's because of victory, that the, the king has already given us victory. We're simply walking in freedom. And when Peter's writing, and as we see in the, the weeks to come, how there's things we got to do, not for salvation, but because of it. Not for victory, but because of it. And God, I pray that the abundant life that you promised when you were walking this planet, that abundant life would be readily available and the joy that is indescribable would overflow. Help us do the work. Help us to meditate on what you want, on your will. Before we finish, and you can open your eyes, you can keep them closed in a moment of just meditation and just listen to these words that Peter is writing. He says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. All of us received a natural inheritance from our family, great people or bad people, it doesn't really matter, but we've inherited this this empty life. And there's this idea of ransom that God has paid. We were not our own in bondage, and God paid to redeem us, to save us. It says, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Praise God. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great victory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. Now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again. Not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word or logos or Jesus himself of God. This is Jesus. Now this is where all of our hope lies. This is our king that has come and set us free. He is the one who gives us life. And as we meditate on these words, I want us to worship together and think about that king that came, lived, died, rose again, and he's calling us to follow him. Let's all stand together and worship. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Um, I, I love verse 14 when Ray was reading that, and God says, um, you're just supposed to live in obedience as God's children in obedience. Yeah. And the verse says, don't go back to just doing your selfish things the way you want to. Mm. You know better. It, it wasn't word for word, but it was like, <laughs> it, do, have we ever said that to like our kids? You know, don't, we love it when they obey, what right? What were you thinking? Oh my you word, know better. I love it when they obey. And it's like, you know better than that. What are you thinking? And that's what I thought of when, right. I, when you read that verse is God's like, you know better than that. And, and I think looking through First Peter is going to be a journey, and it's not always going to be easy because it's hard to look at ourselves. But I do know better in a lot of ways. And so I encourage you guys to um, come with an open mind and an open heart and ask God to help you in that obedience and to truly look inside and see where, yeah. 
Where can I change so I can be more obedient to him so I can be doing what I'm well, supposed to be the, doing? Well, and it's the one another journey because a lot of times we, what, what the enemy wants, he wants you to isolate. And so you look in, feel bad, and then isolate. Right. But actually it's the, let's dig in with other people. Let's see what God's going to do. But we need other people to help us along the way. So don't do it alone. Let's right. do it together. Right. So. And, you know, I just want to say something. If you have questions or doubts yeah. or, hmm, I don't know if I agree with what Ray said. I just want you to say he's super open to questions, to, oh, he loves debating, and he, he just loves no. talking about it. And, and I just, anytime you have questions or, or comments or whatever, we're open for that. So I wanted to let you know Contrary that. to popular belief, I'm not always right, so. Every once in a while, I'm right. I mean, yeah, well, okay. <clears throat> Real quick. Okay. So it's Elvis week. So uh, try to do an impression, like the lip thing or something. So when we were in college, Ray worked in Branson, and he yeah. was a server, and he didn't have all this. He just had long sideburns. <laughs> and so the older women would always ask if they could get their picture made with him because they thought he was an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> I thought of that today. So, and I can't dance or sing. No, so, so, that's, like, so take that with you today. That was a special <laughs> gift. Uh, but uh, I thought of that, that too. So it's Elvis week, so enjoy your week. Um, I don't know. Right. I don't know about Elvis, but all right, <laughs> we're late. You guys have a great week. Um, remember, the Ortiz family are going to be in the lobby yes. if you want to go by and get a card and pray for them. Yes, uh, I was say also thinking about how I love to volunteer in the nursery in Panama because it was the only place with an AC because someone That's donated. True. And I was like, nursery workers, I can help in the nursery. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, no, but um, remember, Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Have a great, have a great week. week. Love you guys. Take care.